Hi, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's Mint Arrow Messages. Today, my husband, Neil, is going to interview me, and we're going to talk about my journey with postpartum depression, how I overcame that, what it felt like, and how it eventually led to me starting my blog, Mint Arrow. Today, we are going to start off with a backstory of how this blog all got started, and really a struggle that I overcame by starting the blog Mint Arrow. So this is a struggle that a lot of women are going to relate with. Um, Anyone who's had a baby, basically. Maybe not everyone who's had a baby, but a lot of women who've had babies. So So I'm not going to relate to this. Probably not. No, but but you lived it. You lived it with me. So, um, and so maybe, I don't know, a lot of spouses will also find some commonality between our story and theirs. But we're basically going to talk about how Mint Arrow started because I was battling postpartum depression with our first, the birth of our first baby, Annabelle. And that was six years ago. Yeah, She's, she's six. She's six, six now, <laughs> which is crazy. So um, I'm going to have Neil interview me because I just felt like it would be kind of weird for me to just sit and talk to myself about this and I just prefer interview style I don't know so so we're just gonna sit and have a conversation about this I thought it especially would be good to have you here since you know since you I were was there yeah you were a part of all of it present so okay take it away, well boss yeah you got loves it, it when I call him you boss. got it chief no problem buddy <laughs> so yeah I do remember this time very well so give us a starting point I mean basically what I remember is is we had our first child, Annabelle, and she was great and wonderful and beautiful, perfect, had, happy, great sleeper. Perfect. Delivery was baby. awesome. Everything yeah. went well. Wonderful week together in the hospital. It was just great, grand, and and bliss. And it really so was bliss. I went back <laughs> to work and went on my merry way once we came home from the hospital and um Corinne stayed home with the baby, and that, I just was like, great, awesome, high fives all around. This is kind of, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing right now. And, um, you know, I, I just remember coming home shortly after that, and and noticeably there was a major change in Corinne, and things were not going well. Yeah, I mean, what happened after that? Yeah, that I just... It's such a dark blur, but I remember going from just the the height of elation, just like those height heightened emotions of having the baby, just that like surge of love for her. And like you were saying, everything was bliss, just amazing for a few days. And then we got home and really, well, I should back up and say that like, you know, breastfeeding was, has been challenging with every one of our girls Um, And so I came home and had mastitis right away, which is just miserable. Had mastitis. I was just struggling with breastfeeding. And then it was... It was a C-section on top of that too. So it wasn't... Recovering from C-section. And then it was just cold. It was winter and it was getting dark at like 4 p.m. Five, well, maybe not four, but like five. For sure by five, it was like dark. Yeah, we lived in Utah. Which Utah's in like... You know, winters, if you've ever been there, there's an inversion. It's just not a great time. It's it's just kind of a gnarly place to be in the winter. Yeah, and I just remember feeling like we went from all this anticipation to the baby coming and then all of the hormones and then just feeling really alone. And I think, too, I, th- I think a really important thing to note, especially if there are any moms or soon to be mothers is that I didn't know what postpartum depression was at first. And it felt like a lot of emotions that were just like out of control. Like you would come home and I remember Neil would walk in the door and I would just start crying. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And he would be like, what's wrong? And I just would look at him and be like, I don't know. I just, I, you know, people will sometimes describe postpartum depression as, like, being dark in the way that, like, they feel like they want to hurt their baby or hurt themselves. I never felt any of those feelings. I never have with any of my girls. But I remember feeling, like, emotional all the time about things that normally would maybe have made me a little bit emotional, but, like, just 
being on the verge of tears all the time and being feeling sad and feeling stuck. And so I think it's a combination, right? I don't, I think that first of all, your body's going through a ton. So after having harbored another human life inside of you, that's growing and developing. And there's all of these like crazy, crazy hormones that are developing the baby. And once the baby exits, your body is like trying to recover from all of that, from almost a year of growing another human. So there's that component of it. There's the loneliness of like before I had a baby, I was like in a working environment where I was around people all day, every day. And it was social. It was fun. It was high paced. It was interactive. And then all of a sudden after the, after kind of like the excitement of the baby wears down, all of a sudden you're just by yourself. Like I found myself just by myself all day, every day. And I remember feeling like such a failure because it was so exhausting to me and so overwhelming to try to keep up with, like I said, breastfeeding was a struggle. And then like trying to make sure that I was keeping this baby alive. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, and there was only one baby, but I think it's important to note that like, it doesn't matter if it's your first baby or your second or your third. And I've only had three, but I've heard it's still the same with each baby that follows that every time it feels like your whole world has been flipped upside down. What, I mean, don't you think that that's just, I've never had a baby. so I don't <laughs> You have though. You've had, you've had a child know. enter no. your family well, yeah, where no. like it just it totally changes turns everything. Upside everything. Down. everything. It's no longer about you. It's about somebody else. Right. And keeping them alive and, and keeping making them sure. Going. So, I, and I remember that. I remember coming home and you saying that, just being crying. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like what's wrong. And you're like, I don't know. And I think it was concerning to me because I didn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, well, why? Like this. And in my mind, it's like, this is great. We just had our first kid. Like, you're at home with the baby. Like, that's so great. And, and that and was meanwhile, all wonderful. I'm, yeah, I'm just feeling like, okay, I'm supposed to love this. And I did. I did love being a mother. Like, that. I have never experienced love like I did when you just, you don't know what that's like until you have your own child that you feel that emotional bond to. There's just nothing like it. And I... I don't know. Nothing could have prepared me for that, but also nothing could have prepared me for that just weird, like loneliness and sadness. And so I think it's anyway, backing up to what I was saying a minute ago, I think it's a combination of like, yes, the hormones and the chemical imbalance in your body. I think it was the loneliness and kind of the slap in the face reality of like, I used to be around people all the time and feel like I had purpose and I was doing meaningful work and I was working hard and it felt fulfilling to like, I'm so overwhelmed and I wake up every day feeling overwhelmed and I go to sleep feeling overwhelmed. I think that's another thing too, the sleep deprivation. Yeah, that had a big is part of it. crazy. And like, we're only a few months out from that with Millie, so I think it's a little more fresh on our minds right now, don't you think? Yeah, no, it, it plays a huge part in the overall sanity and rhythm of what's going on. Yeah. But I, I mean, for you, when did you recognize what was going on? When was it like, okay... I'm something's I'm not, wrong. Something's wrong. This is not, this is abnormal or atypical. Yeah. Cause I just kept doing like the crying thing when you came home and feeling sad, but just feeling like, okay, I'm going to get this. Like I'm going to figure it out at some point. What I didn't know what I was going through until I went to my six week appointment with Dr. Terry, who we just love. And he was the most amazing doctor in the world. But I went to his, I went to my six week appointment with him. And I remember he said, how are the baby blues going? Are you feeling, are you feeling down at all? And I remember just all of a sudden the tears just started flowing. And I was like, I cry every day. And he just looked at me and said, you, there's no need for that. You don't need to feel that way. So he sent me home with, um, a prescription for antidepressant for a, I think it was Zoloft, like a low dose of Zoloft that, that was safe for breastfeeding. And he just said, here, take this. This is, you know, this, there's no need for you to feel that way. Was that like a relief? Was that like, okay, sweet, like solution? No, now, like, I felt kind of ashamed. No, I felt kind of embarrassed about it. Like, oh man, only why, like people why with. did you feel embarrassed? Just like, you know, there's a stigma. Like, oh, only people that like are 
like have problems, quote unquote, yeah. are like on on like antidepressants. And that's not how I feel now. And that's not how I would judge someone else. But just like having a doctor hand me something like that, like my own interpretation, I, like the way I internalized that was like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. Like I'm this much of a failure that now I need to take something to make me happy because I'm not happy enough as a mom. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it was like rough enough that I was like, okay, I... I do something. Yeah. And so I, I took it home and I remember I started to take it and it, and I hated it. And it, and the reason why I hated it is because it didn't, I wasn't sad anymore, but I wasn't happy either. I was just, I felt like I was flatlined. Like I was, I didn't feel any emotion for anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how long did it take to where you noticed like feeling different or, or I mean, pretty quickly. Like Like I started to, yeah, I don't know exactly, but I started taking it and pretty quickly I started feeling, I remember watching and I wish we probably could look it up right here on my phone, but okay. Yep. So December 14th, 2012 is when the Sandy Hook shooting happened And so I distinctly remember having the TV on that morning and watching the coverage of that and feeling numb to it and not feeling like I was going to cry. And like, I knew that should be a good thing, but I also hated that. Like I was so out of touch with like my regular emotions that like nothing was coming to me, even though I was watching this, these like horrific events on TV. Does that make sense? So that bothered me. But I still just, I was, I just kept taking the antidepressants for a couple more months because I was really afraid of, like, making things worse, if that makes sense. So I remember waiting until I asked some friends for advice, and they were like, you know, when when the weather starts to turn, when it's like you can get outside and be in the sunshine a little more, that's like, that might be a good time for you to start weaning yourself off of this when, like, you can kind of get outside a little bit more in, in the sun. That's that's helpful. And I think mm-hmm. that as a side note with our other babies, that's been a real help is that we've had these babies in Southern California. And in Lila was in May and Millie was in July. I think that makes a huge difference, you know, Yeah. where Annabelle was winter in Utah in the cold, which leads me to, so during that time when I was like really struggling and, you know, the Sandy Hook thing happened in December and I still was, I, the emotion, like the, the severe emotion went away, but I still felt like, okay, I still feel kind of stuck, you know, like, um, just lonely and bored and sad sometimes. And, and again, like I loved, do you remember what it was like for me when I became a mom? Like how much did I, I don't love? Know. You, just... you, we had, I think like every baby gadget known <laughs> to man. This is where, this was the birth of the baby registry. So we, she had like researched, you know, you'd researched everything. I we did. Had always, I had a spreadsheet. It was like totally ready. I had a spreadsheet out. of like all of my wish list items. And then I would like get up every morning before I went to my regular corporate job and would search the internet for deals on strollers and diaper bags and a yeah. high chair. I mean, Suddenly, I got, I, I got just... that Boone high chair for like $70, which is insane. Like, no, I remember that because oh, like I remember looking at some of the retail prices and I'm like, uh, do you want like a new car soon or do you want a bunch of baby gear? Yeah. Like, do you want a stroller? Seriously. And... I think we had four, three or four strollers before Annabelle was born and you were like, I this remember, is absurd. Yeah, that now, was if only you could. Little did I know that was a <laughs> foreshadowing of my garage being full of like 30 strollers, but. This is true. Anyway. I I remember that. And I remember you coming home and just kind of like, you know, I I was tired from work. I'm like, I just want to relax, want to hang out, you know, take some me time. And it's like, look, this is the only adult interaction that I have with another grown up. Like you have to talk. And that was kind of weird for me. I I don't think I really understood it at the time. I'm like, uh, I'm like, okay, well, like, hey, yeah, I want to make sure you feel good and are happy and you know, and so I, I, I think from a husband's standpoint, I, you know, obviously I wanted to be supportive. I was concerned, but I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I had no, I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I was like, right. baby blue, like, what's that? You know, right. is this, you know, what is that? And, and so I was totally 
in the dark. But I, I mean, okay, like, so yeah, I remember you taking the medication and wh so, when was there a decision to, to do something different or how did you come to that? Well, I just, so I remember that, like I said, the medication made me feel like I wasn't like having those severe emotional dips of like wanting to just start sobbing about anything at the drop of a hat or nothing at all. But at the same time, I was still struggling. So I remember, you know, talking to my mom, talking to my friends, and they were like, you've got to get out of the house every day. You need to find a reason yeah. to get up, get dressed, put real clothes on, not sit in your pajamas in the dark by yourself with this baby all day, every day. Like you got to get up and get out of the house. So I was like, okay, I can do that. Like I can get dressed. I know it sounds silly to anyone who hasn't been through this, but like when you have a brand new baby, it freaking rocks your world so hard. Even just like getting dressed, getting the baby dressed and getting out the door is such a challenge. It just is. It's a challenge for but, me as like just in general, not birthing a child and recovering from a surgery. And I mean, I know it's just a it's process. Crazy. I can only imagine how that is for yeah. was for you. Well, anyway, so um, I was like, okay, we're going to do this every day, even if it's just putting on clothes, getting the baby in the car, and, like, driving down the street for a Diet Coke and coming home. I mean, that was, like, I was just like, whatever. We're going to get out every day. So, you know, there's only so much, like, grocery shopping you could do. And so then I kind of was like, well, it's it's winter. We can't walk around outside. It's way too cold to be taking the baby, like, on walks or whatever. You know, it's like in single digits in the winter in Utah. So we kind of had to be indoors and I was like, okay, well, I guess we could go walk around Target or walk around the mall. But at that time we were not, it's not like we had like a lot of extra money. We were pretty tight on the budget. You know, I, like, I still remember that I had to buy off-brand tomato, canned tomatoes instead of like. I didn't realize the, that was like such a big you should have said something. No, it's day. okay. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I remember looking at our grocery budget and like, being like, okay, we've got to, you know, but you and I both, like, we would have talks all the time about how much are we spending on eating out? How much are we spending yeah, we on? Yeah, were, we were watching it. We were cutting things down to the wire because I had stopped working to stay at home. Well, I shouldn't say I had stopped working. I I picked up some work from home jobs fairly quickly just doing like social media for other companies and stuff and doing some blog posting for other companies. But this was before I was like a quote unquote blogger. This was just because I liked to write. Anyway, that's a side note, but I was doing a little bit of work on the side from home, but, but we had to drastically change our, not drastically, but we had to change our lifestyle in order to afford for me to stay home with Annabelle. And so anyway, the reason why I brought that up is because when I would go to the mall or go to Target, it's not like I could just spend money. And it's not like I could just buy stuff. So I was like, well, if I'm going to walk around here, I guess I'll just, like, look for things that are a really good deal. And maybe if I find something that's a super good deal and we need it, then I could get it. But what I found was, first of all, I had kind of this funny knack for finding good deals on things. I just really enjoyed it. It was, like, a thrill for me. It was like a hunt. And I would find things, and a lot of times it wasn't stuff that I needed, but I was like, someone is going to need this. So I started putting things on my personal Instagram with the hashtag, someone go buy this. So the very first thing that I ever did that with was this, I will never forget, it was this green Jenny Lind bed. Do you know Annie's little yellow bed? Yeah. That's like the same, that's the same style people. is Jenny Lind. So it was this green queen size Jenny Lind bed. And at the time... We had no need for that. Like, we were about to have a baby. We were trying to save money to buy a crib. And we already had our bed. So the Jenny, like, this queen-size green Jenny Lynn bed was of no use to me. But I was like, oh, somebody's going to need this. And it was a super good deal. It was like, I don't know, hundreds of dollars less than normal. So I posted it on my Instagram and said, hashtag someone go buy this. And and I started finding other things that were, I was like, well, I don't need this, but maybe somebody else does. And so I started posting those things and on Instagram, just on my personal feed. And I had friends and family that were like, oh, this is so fun. And you're so good at this. And you should start a business doing this. or You should start a blog. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. So with all of my random, like wandering around the malls, 
and Target and Costco, I would just find these random things and post them. And, and then I was like, okay, I, you know, I looked into starting a blog and just paid my friend Jen. Remember, shout out to Jen Coletti. Um, she Jen. made my first blog, like custom design for, I think I paid her $50, which if anybody knows like about blog design, you know, for a professional blog, that's, that's a bargain. But yeah, she was just my friend who was kind of toying around with graphic design. So I paid her to do a little blog design and just threw on a couple of blog posts and, and that was that. And I just kind of did it for fun for a while and we started getting some good traffic and it started building and, but it really, I look back and I'm like, that was part of what saved me because it just gave me something to be excited about. It gave me something other than just feeling like I was failing because I was sad all the time about being by myself. And I mean, you know me, I'm like a quality, quality time person. I like being around other people. I like to feel like I'm interacting which is funny because I work from home. Like we work from home and we kind of just are around <laughs> each other. We interact a lot. That's great. That's very true. No, but I, I no, I know that you need something to, you, you're the type of personality, you're the type of person that you've always had a focus on. And from my standpoint, what I saw happen was, you know, we got married. So planning that you're, you were mm -hmm. just full force planning it like so calculated Oh, and, and we did that focus, wedding on such a budget. We, like Corinne pulled this thing off, and it was amazing and so cool. And then and my then dress was, was from a thrift store. My dress was like a two hundred dollar. It was amazing thrift store dress I was that just excited as can be. Well, it actually was amazing. It was like a nineteen forties dress, so it was yeah, it was legit. It was, but but no. So I mean, we had that, and then it was you know next move was like okay well let's let's have a baby we had a baby you know relatively we got pregnant relatively soon Six with months. within you know yeah within a year after getting married and so that was then became the focus for you in putting together all the baby stuff and planning for that and so that took a lot of energy and then on top of obviously your your work at the time and i had the type of job that i was always Work yeah, was always it, it on. was always yeah. executive assistant. You're never kind of just like, like oh, never I'm going to go just not answer my phone for f five hours. Like it just doesn't really happen. But being that type of personality and having that type of a pace with life and then all of a sudden, and, and I watched this, you came to a standstill, not necessarily a standstill. Obviously, you're doing a lot with the baby, but it's like that same focus, it just changes. And then obviously with the hormonal changes. So I... I saw that and I, and I recognized like you're the personality wise when, when, you know, the, the blog came to be and you're going out and finding these deals. And I, I noticed a change. I noticed that you were happier and more engaged and felt, you know, we're feeling better. Right. And I was like excited about doing something. Yeah. And day. I mean, and it was, I remember the day that you called me and you're like, Hey, it's live. Like. The blog's live right now. Do you remember like, that? I do. I remember exactly I where I was. Remember. I was in Park City. I was in front of an orthopedic surgeon's office about to walk in. And got a call from Corinne. And it's like, hey, this is a big deal. And I, and I, at that moment, I'm like, I'd, I was like, you know, trying to focus on what I was doing. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, hey, you got, you know, you got your little blog going. That's fun, you know. But, but I, I think <laughs> I didn't, I totally did not even fathom you know, neither of us did what where eventually this, could go. this was, was going to happen. I had no yeah, idea. No. This was that, you know, my, my plans were, were elsewhere and, and different, but I, but the excitement I could tell in talking to her, to, to you, I could sense the excitement and that it was a big deal. And, you know, and, and I saw your family rally behind you and, and friends so it was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, we put we put my family on a group text and my friends on a group text and, you know, asked them like, hey, this is kind of what I'm aiming for. Is so side side note, I have to ask this because I'm sure everyone would want to know this. How did you come up with Mintero?
this is the story. So the, the group text went out and I was like, how could we convey like deals and finding deals, but like on nice things. And so nobody ever knows this unless I explain it to them, but mint was supposed to represent money and arrow was supposed to represent deal finding so that's where kind of like exactness like or like your dad's a bow hunter was that kind of a thought was there any connection in like i just imagine like an arrow just direct shot like bam maybe but i don't know i mean i'm pretty lousy at like archery he took me out like one time and was kind of like well that was there something <laughs> else? I can't remember. Was there something that didn't make the cut? What, what else? Was there something that was closer? Oh, go I don't even remember. And those, t- I don't think I could even recover those texts from six years ago. But, but yeah, they, I just, when we finally settled on that name, I was like, okay, this, this represents to me what I want to convey, which was, you know, going out and finding amazing deals. And I still, to this day, get a thrill when I find something that's like, oh my gosh, yes, this is amazing. And it's that's true. By to the make way. the cut, it has to be something that's good enough that I would text my friends in my phone book that phone book in my, my contacts in my phone and be like, um, you need to jump on this right now. So that's like the thrill of what we do and what, what's really fun. But, but back to like the postpartum depression thing and so once this all happened, so at this point, were you off the medication? No, and coming off of it was actually kind of rough. So I remember, this is weird, and I I asked a friend who's a nurse about this, and she was like, yeah, that's weird. I don't know anything about that. But, like, I would have dizzy spells. Like, I, I remember weaning off of it, and I would, like, turn one way. Like, when I was driving a car, I would turn one way and turn the other, and I remember it was like the whole room would spin. And I hated that feeling. And so when I had our second baby, Lila, and I started to feel those baby blues creep back in just a few days after she was born. And I was like, oh, shoot, here we go. Luckily, at the time, we had really become like immersed in the world of essential oils. So that was such a blessing for me the second time around that I understood a little bit better how to use those and what to use. So I had heard that balance was a great oil for people who struggled with any type of like depression or anxiety. And I was like, well, the oils have worked for us with other things and it can't hurt to try. And I would try almost anything rather than having to go back on antidepressants. So, so I tried that the second time around, I would use like a couple drops of balance and, um, inhale like I would put it in my palms and inhale deeply a couple times and then put some on the bottoms of my feet and it helped tremendously. So, and I think you saw that too, right? Do you remember? Yeah. No, I remember you using how that much pretty religiously. I mean, and it was super helpful. That, so. Yeah. No, that was cool. And that's just a blend of a few different oils. I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've thought of exactly what's in there. Lavender, a few other ones. But yeah, it's a really, really, it's an amazing oil. It's, and different people will react to different oils differently, just the same as like some allergy medications work different than others for like seasonal allergies or whatever. You know what I mean? Or some people are going to have a different reaction to Tylenol than others or whatever. But that really helped me getting out in sunshine, I think was super, super helpful with baby number two and three, where, you know, we lived in a climate where, and just time of year, right? Like Lila was May and then Millie was July. Like I feel like that was also super helpful. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and, and that said, it still was a challenge. Oh, I, yeah. I still remember your mom leaving oh. and then you just breaking down and crying. Sorry, mom. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I mean, at that point, I think I was a little more savvy and we'd been married and had been through this before. And so I, I think there was a little bit more concern on that. And and I remember, I mean, I remember texting with your mom, like, back and forth. And it was just kind of like. You did? Yeah. It was I just like that. Out of love. It's because I love you. Aww. So I was like, just kind of like, hey, you know, what what do you think? And what you know, what can I do? And, you know, and it was, I you know, and it was good. I, I think that it gave me some ideas of, you know, hey, let's get out of the house. What did she say? She said just to get you out of the house. She's like, you know, it might be a good idea to, you know, take Corinne out for a walk or 
Aww. something. So I, so I, so I did. You Mom. Know? Well, I think <laughs> you know, but I think that's that brings up a good point. And, you know, I by think, the way, this is like making me cry that Neil and my mom were like texting oh, each other about me. Sorry. Well, I didn't no, want to be like very sweet. weird about it. And I by the wanted... way, I'm just a crier, so I just cry easily about everything. But but I think that that's another important point from my standpoint is like family support. Yeah. Because I think there does have to be and that and that was tough. I know Corinne's really tight with you're really tight with your family. Yeah. And so being in California I know that was really hard, and I think it was, you know, it was probably it was hard for your family too. You, you know, your mom couldn't directly in person be there all of the time, mm-hmm. you know, and so where she could in Utah, and in, in Utah, fact, yeah. When we like rewind back to that memory of Sandy Hook, I remember that day she was with me. She was at my house when we were watching that Sandy Hook stuff, and I think I kind of hid from her the antidepressant thing. I don't think I even told her about that because I was kind of embarrassed of it, which is silly. I should never be embarrassed yeah. of. But it's like when you're, I was still like, I mean, I wasn't that young. I was like 28. But like when it's your first experience with stuff like that, I think not that I have like some great fast experience with like drugs or anything. <laughs> but that sounded really weird. But no, I just mean like when you're first experiencing like, you know, going through something like that and then having a doctor prescribe you something. And for me, at least I can only speak from my own experience, but I kind of was like, oh my gosh, I don't even, I don't want anyone to know about this. I kind of was just embarrassed of it um, where I'm not at all anymore. Obviously I'm talking to the whole world about it, but. But there's a temptation in to kind of just keep it to yourself, to, oh, not, yeah. to not share that. Oh, the for beat, sure. The, so there's some shame there. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine just, you know, from my own experience and you don't want to like, I don't know, be, raise your hand on that one and be like, well, actually, yeah, I've got this issue and I'm struggling. And, and even and, now, even now, if I talk about postpartum depression, I worry sometimes that people are going to immediately jump to like, oh, so you wanted to like throw your baby out the window or something, you know? There's like some misconceptions. They, or they just assume, you you worry that people will assume the worst when actually I think it's just a very common thing. And I think people... Were I, there any like... Once people knew, was there anything weird like no, that? that and people that's, were like, hey, like, are you all right? Are you, you um, going to take your own life? Or, no, you know. no, no. And I think that in that regard, like, I think we worry way too much about what people are going to think and like, oh, are people going to judge me or they're going to think I'm a bad mom? When in all reality, almost everyone has gone through something like this or, or they know someone who's very close to them who's been through it. And usually there's just compassion and understanding. And even if there's not, it's like, that's on them, not on you, but which is something I've really come to understand through doing a lot of, you know, recovery, which is another episode for another day. So when, I mean, was there a moment or a time when you're like, okay, I've, I've kind of pulled out of this or passed, like, was it a time, like a a time, like an um, amount of time that it took? And I think that that's like, for me, that's been like the top thing. Like there's all these little things that we're talking about, like, have connection with other people, get outside of the house, get dressed every day, try to get into some sunshine if you can. You know, for me, essential oils worked well. Or if you feel like you need help, don't be ashamed of going to your doctor and saying, like, I think I need some help. Just because I didn't love that experience of being on antidepressants doesn't mean that, like, it's wrong or bad or that someone shouldn't seek out that help. Because at the end of the day, I'm very glad that I did and that I had a doctor who was wise enough to say, you don't need to feel like this every day. But all of those things were just things that helped me during that time. But the only thing that ultimately made it go away was time. Well, how long would you say? Roughly. I mean, I, obviously not to the day. Like so this is interesting because up. I feel like for me with each baby, it's gotten a little bit better. And I don't know if that's because... I see the signs more and I know like kind of how to work through it or if it's because seasonally when the babies were born or just my body, like I'm not quite sure, but I feel like with Annabelle, it for sure. So I had her at the end of October and I distinctly remember that like not until it was like consistently warm outside every day and we were getting outside every day and I had weaned myself off of the antidepressants 
it probably wasn't until like April, May, so at least six yeah, to eight say, months. Yeah, that's a long stretch. Like somewhere between April and June is when I really was like, okay, I I'm feel. Yeah. And even at that, like I'm five months postpartum with Millie and I still don't feel like myself. Like I worked out for the third time today since she was born. I think with Millie, you've seemed like a lot way better. Like I've, I've not noticed it. it. Like not like hardly at all. You know, I, I think. Yeah. Well, I definitely, I went through some of that this time, but I think that it's just more for me, like with each baby, I've been more like, I can identify this. I know what it is. And I know how to like do things that will help me to work through it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Rather than, I think that when you don't know and you feel kind of this desperation of like what is happening. And for me, it was a combo of like the emotional depression made me feel like more of a failure, if that makes sense. It kind of just like stacks upon. And like, why am I feeling this? Yeah. I shouldn't, this should be a great time. Right. And I should be happy. And I'm, I'm, what am I doing wrong as a mom? And it kind of just spirals you into like a deeper depression. I for sure look back and remember feeling that way versus like time number two and time number, you know, baby number two, baby number three, being able to look at it and call it what it is and say, this is postpartum. Mm. These are baby blues. I know how to get myself some help. Like, you know, let's pull out some oils. Let's get outside and be in the sunshine and make sure I'm talking to people. I remember telling you right after Millie was born, like, I am feeling these feelings and I need you to talk to me. I need, I need you to be there for me. Do you remember yeah, that? No, and, like, I remember. We had those and I'm like the typical guy. I'm like, Oh, like, so what do you like? What do you, what do you want me to do? Like, like how can I fix it? You just kind of, I just wanted like the answer, like, well, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. But it's not quite that simple, you know, and which, which I've, I've learned but I think that's an interesting point that you bring up. I'm just, you know, my my brain is wired from like a, you know, 12-step recovery standpoint. And, you know, step number one is, you know, is you get first you got to recognize a problem before you can address or treat or do any type of protocol, you know, for that problem. problem. So I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Like until you were able to identify like this is postpartum. And I'm feeling it right now and like accepting that, then you were able to, it sounds like, make some headway. Yeah. It's not like accepting it or calling it what it was made it immediately vanish or anything. I mean, what did you, did you feel like it made it worse at all? Like, but when you would. No, 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 no. I just think it, it makes it better because then you're like, okay, I know what this is. I know that there are things I can do to help make it better. And I think even just knowing what it is doesn't make you feel that, like, like those layers, like I was saying, of, like, I'm a bad mom. I can't even get myself out of bed. Like, I can't even barely get the baby dressed. Like, why am I feeling so sad? What's wrong with me? Instead, the opposite of that for me has been, you know what? I know what this is. I know that it's my body trying to, like, recover from this, you know, crazy massive change that it just went through. I know that I'm sleep deprived. I know that, um, these hormonal changes are just gnarly and I know there are some things that I can do to help, you know, it's not going to make it go away, but at least to help ease this burden of feeling like your body and your emotions are completely out of control and you're crying for no reason. And I kind of just embraced it the second and third time. Like, if I just start, even now, like, even, like, the breastfeeding hormones, I just know that I'm, like, extra emotional. And instead of feeling like, okay, I got to suppress this and figure out how to, you know, like, what's wrong with me. Instead of, like, what's wrong with me, it's more of, like, a, oh, I know what this is. And it's okay. And does that make yeah. sense? One thing that I saw, like, I think that as you've kind of, like, talked more about this mm-hmm. and mentioned it on your blog – I had no idea that like a lot of people like this is kind of the experience. Yeah. Like I, I mean I don't want to say everybody. I don't want to generally no. you know, blanket statement it, but but I I've I noticed would say that more as of you, my friends than than not. I as would you've say talked about it, more friends. people have come out and been like, 
oh my goodness, like, thank you for sharing that. I I totally, and then you get this experience from them. Like I had this happen to me and I remember, you know, doing doTERRA and talking about your experience with postpartum and then, you know, people would email in about Mm -hmm. that and be like, oh, I like have just brutal postpartum and had all these issues and like, man, this is a big deal. Like, this is a lot of people are affected by this. Like, I had no idea. It is. And I think that that's one, like, total blessing with our generation is that more of this is out. I think that's one, you know, we people love to talk about, like, the negativity of social media or the internet. And, like, I think this is one blessing that, like, we have women who can share their experiences, who can share, like, what that feels like for them and other women who can be like, hey, me too. Or, like, when you know, hopefully if somebody who's listening to this and preparing to have their first baby or whatever can kind of say like, oh, these are some of the signs that I can look out for. Like, you know, feeling just super emotional or like your emotions are out of control or you feel like you just want to isolate and be by yourself or you're feeling like a failure or you just feel like you want to lay in bed all day. You know, these are all things that I would feel um, right after having a baby. It was just like, just not myself. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting point you bring up. I mean, and and maybe let me ask you this. I mean, what knowing what you know now mm-hmm. and having gone through all those experiences, what would you do differently going back and starting from square one? I mean, not there there aren't very many things I regret in life. So I think that, you know, all of this has been for a good experience for me. I I am a firm believer that when we go through hard things, and this is really part of why we started this podcast, but when we go through hard things, they are to help us gain compassion for others and understanding. And I'm glad that I experienced some of these things so that if I have other friends or if my own daughters go through something like this, I will be able to relate to them and say, like, I've been there too and I know how that feels. What I would tell myself if I could go back to my 28-year-old self and say, like, you're doing a great job. And and one of the most helpful things somebody said to me, I think it was maybe my mom. I think it was my mom, was, you know what? There are days when all you're going to do is keep the baby alive, and that's okay. That's all you need to do is just keep yeah, the baby alive. That's pretty cool. And. And it sounds so simple. And again, like that probably sounds crazy to anybody who I remember like feeling bad when um, my mom's 50th birthday happened right after I had Annabelle. And I did basically nothing to help with it because Annabelle was born on October 30th and my mom's birthday was November 25th. So it was just like a few weeks later. And I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I should be helping with this because I come from a family of like, you pitch in, you help, you work hard, we prepare food, we, and they even had somebody that was making all the food. But I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I like am failing at life. I can't even like do anything to contribute to helping with this party. And I look back and I'm like, I have so much compassion for myself in that, like, you're just a couple weeks out of like, let's see, that's not even a full month, right? October 30th to November 25th. Yeah. It wasn't even a full month of like recovering from childbirth. And I would have sat myself down and been like, it's okay. You just had a baby. You're exhausted. You're sleep deprived. Your body hasn't even like, are you even, you know, <laughs> are you, are you even like not bleeding all day long? Like probably not. I mean, I think that I seriously was wearing like adult diapers for six weeks so you know if we're (laughs) just being real here you know what i mean i would look back and and give myself more compassion and grace and love and be like hey you know what it's okay you just had a baby things are hard and this is what okay i i've got it this is what i would tell myself is it gets better because i remember feeling like oh my gosh this is it this is my life now like this is so hard i remember just feeling like just crying, feeling overwhelmed, feeling so sleep deprived. I I remember I have this like distinct memory of laying on the floor, Annabelle crying all night and me laying there with my arm perched up into the mamaru with trying to keep the binky in her mouth so she wouldn't cry and fall asleep. You know what I mean? For I, I remember being delirious because like three nights in a row she had been up 
every hour on the hour wanting to eat. And I remember just feeling completely delirious. Um, That was probably right about the time that my mom had that, you know, we had that birthday party for my mom. And so, you know, you compare like that's my reality is up all night, every night, every hour of the night. Like, no wonder I felt like I couldn't even get dressed and get out of the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, my body had been like sliced open and somebody took a baby out of it. So no big deal. No, just another another day, another trip to the, you know, it's like a dental Oh my goodness. And then this tiny little human who's like, you know, eating every couple hours, which that in and of itself too, like the breastfeeding thing, which I'm totally, I'm an advocate for breastfeeding. If that's what you want to do, I'm an advocate for don't do it. If you don't want to do it, I have a great blog post on all, all of my tips and reality on breastfeeding. But, you know, for me, like Two out of my three girls, breastfeeding was an absolute, like, gut-wrenching nightmare for the first, like, three to six weeks. Like, where every single time I would just clench my teeth and try not to cry because I told Neil it felt like a little animal chewing my nipple off with (laughs) razor-sharp teeth. So you're going through that. You're going through the sleep deprivation. Your body's trying to recover. I remember just feeling like, oh, my gosh, this is my life now. And there was no part of me that was like... This was a mistake. I hate my baby. At the same time, I had this just like passionate, deep, crazy love for my baby. I was obsessed with our baby. I still am with all our babies. But I was like, I am so in love with this baby. But at the same time, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole entire life. If I could go back and talk to myself in those moments, I would be like, hey, it gets better. And it gets easier. And I, I think I've written about this on the blog, but I think that that philosophy of good things come in threes works with baby recovery too. So I think that, you know, week three, you finally start to feel a little bit like a human again, you know, where like those first few weeks, it's like complete survival mode. And then I would say like six weeks, you're like, okay, I can get dressed. I can get out of the house. I feel, I would say at least for C-section recovery at about six weeks is when I'm like, I can put on some clothes and leave the house and not feel like I'm just a bandaged mess, right? Mm -hmm. And then at three months, that's when I start to feel like, okay, I can like put on a normal pair of jeans, wear an outfit, feel like, feel a little bit more like I did, you know, And then I think the six-month mark and the nine-month mark, I think all of those marks are kind of like more and more you're feeling like, okay, like this feels better than three months ago, if that makes sense. So, and I think it's just a journey. I think for me, each baby, it takes me about a year to Mm -hmm. feel like my body's back to normal, my emotions are back to normal, like everyone's sleeping well. I mean, our babies sleep really well, but um, even like right now, I still feed Millie and go to bed later than you do every night, you know? Yeah. So I do like a one late night feed with her and then I'm up at 630 in the morning. So even right now, I'm not getting as much sleep as I would if we didn't have a newborn in our house. And that will change eventually. Like eventually she will start sleeping even longer hours between the time that she goes to bed and the time she wakes up. And so all of these things contribute. And yeah, that's what I would go back and tell my first time mom self is I know this is super overwhelming. You're doing a great job. All you need to do is keep the baby alive and it's going to get better and, and watch for those threes, you know, the three week, the six week, the three month, the six month, the nine month marks, all of those, you'll just kind of magically wake up one day and be like, wow, I feel better. I feel more like myself. So. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. Cause I, I mean, I think a lot of times, what you said about, you know, once you look back on it and go and kind of take yourself out of the picture to where you're like, what would I tell somebody else? Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting point, you know, because I think a lot of times that we cut other people a lot of slack in those situations. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my goodness, you just had a baby. Like, please, like, let me help you. Let me bring you some meals. Like, just calm down. But for ourselves, we're, we're, it's the opposite. It's like, what do you, do you get out of bed? You know, whatever it is like you're, what's wrong with me? You know, why, why yeah. am I feeling this way? I shouldn't feel this way. Like, you know, like I'm a horrible person. I, I, you know, this is the greatest time of life and I'm feeling these things and, 
So I think. And it's meanwhile, you're having people be like, "Oh, enjoy every second. It goes by right. so fast." And you're, and like, you're like, "Oh <laughs> crap!" Yeah, like what's you know? No, if anything, I would hear those things and be like, "Oh my gosh, am I missing something? Am I missing this? Is it? Am I not enjoying it enough?" And it's like, "Yeah, enjoy those newborn snuggles. Like enjoy like all of those special moments. Totally. But at the same time, like it's okay if it's not all bliss." Because it's also a hard thing, too, to let, for your body to go through. And as a person, you know, I think you kind of lose yourself in, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden I have this other human to keep alive. And then you forget, like, oh, wait, I'm a person and I need to take care of myself. And that's where, like, you know, if you can do some self-care, if you can do some – and you were always really supportive of this. Like, yeah, let's get you out of the house for a little bit or, like – you know, I'll sit here with the baby and you go get your nails done and just little, even if it's something little, just those little things that you can do to take care of yourself and your body and your spirit will help you with, you know, the opposite of that is like, I suck. I'm doing a terrible job. I'm overwhelmed. This is never getting better. I think like having a little conversation or getting out and, you know, being in the sunshine for a little bit or going and getting a little treat or treating yourself to getting your nails done or just something little that will kind of give you a break from the baby and the feeding and the diaper changing and all of that for just a minute, just for like an hour or whatever, or even 30 minutes, you know, it's those little things are, can be really helpful and having human connection with other people, talking to other moms, you know, yeah. And and I think, I think that's a big, a big part of it is, is the, like the network, the support system Mm -hmm. that you have. And because I had no idea, you know, like how that worked. But as I learned more about it and was aware of it and then was able to communicate with your mom or, or, you know, kind of have some ideas in my head and then be having a communication about it. I mean, I think anytime, you know, isolation in general is going to be a negative thing for whatever you're dealing with. And so right. like if you're getting it out and connecting and talking about it, I think that that that's where I saw a lot of the solution come for you. And, you know, being able to mutually talk about it and understand what was going on and then make an effort to to get out and, and do something. And I don't know, because it takes the it takes a lot out of it. I think when you when you recognize, hey, hey there's a reason why this, you know, this person's upset or is crying or is hurt or whatever the emotion is, is once you understand that, where it's coming from, because I think in a relationship, in in a husband-wife situation, you can take that as a personal attack. It's easy to be defensive about it. It's like, man, what am I doing? Or I'm trying to help, like whatever, like I'm trying to help with the baby. I'm trying to, you know, provide, or I'm trying to do all this stuff. And, and you know, there's an emotional response, but lacking that understanding, you know, can, can make the situation worse. But once you understand like, Hey, you know, this person's going through a lot and it's, and there's a when lot of challenges When you say this here. person, you mean from the husband's from the husband's perspective, perspective. I'm, I'm speaking from scene. my perspective. Cause I'm obviously I've never been through postpartum right. depression. So I'm just saying it's important for your support system to understand what's happening and mm-hmm. what the solution is. And you know, because I think you can run the risk of, of misunderstanding that one and responding in the wrong way, you know. And right. It, and you've been really good about that. But I, I will say that as you've become more of a seasoned dad, you are more like, hey, I know what this is versus like you were saying, it's not a personal thing if I'm like emotional or seem like upset. You're like, I know that she's Right? Like, that's what you're saying. Like, you understand what's going on with me versus you being I can, like... Yeah, I can I can spot in and address it yeah. better. And, you know, and not on the flip side of that, not being like, well, yeah, you just have this problem or you're, you know, I think, I think it's good just to recognize it within your support system and your support group and have, you know, a plan to be able to support and help, you know, you. As the person yeah. going through that is all I'm saying. Well, and I think there's probably or there might be like, you know, a dad or something that's listening to this or a dad to be that's like, well, what do you do if your wife's going through that? And I think some of the things you've talked about, 
you know, getting her out or letting her get out. Those are helpful things. I remember when Annabelle was first born, it was like there were times where you would come home and I would cry and like he would just let me cry. And and that sounds kind of bad. No, no, no. I mean in like, a good I way. Like you didn't do anything. No, no, I no, just no, was no. crying and you just No, like you, just you would just hold me and like <laughs> let me just feel what I was feeling instead of you know what I mean? Trying to fix it. Yeah. Do, do the just guy like, thing. Like, hey, let me just fix it. No, just being like compassionate and just being loving instead of being like, well, what's wrong? You know? I mean, you asked that a lot at first, but I feel like you finally like kind of started to understand like, okay, she's just struggling and I'm just going to yeah. be there for her. That, and that's exactly what I was saying earlier is understanding so that you can be there emotionally instead of. Let's I, fix this. Let's fix it, let's which is guys yeah. in general. I, I I don't know. I don't want to make a bunch of generalizations. But for me, a lot of times it's I'm very logical. I'm like, well, what's the problem? And then mm-hmm. it's like, well, today I went out and I, you know, I felt sad about this and was with the baby. And then so I'm looking at the situation. I'm going, well, maybe don't, you know, go to that, you know, maybe you need to get out. Maybe that's the problem why you're not you know, feeling these things, or I'm, I'm addressing a situation the instead symptom. of, I'm addressing a symptom uh-huh. instead of an underlying problem of like, Hey, I've got postpartum depression. I'm really right. sad. I'm like addressing the symptom of what triggered that sadness. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized and understood what the problem was, the underlying issue and was, was somewhat educated on that, then it was easier to be like, look, Instead of me sitting here, you know, trying to fix a, a a problem, a symptom, let me just give you a hug and say, hey, it's going to be all right and cry it out and whatever I need to do to let's get some ice cream. And, <laughs> ice cream makes feel better. everything better. Diet Coke. Yes. All of the things, all of the above. Yeah. And I think, too, you were saying like a support system a second ago. I was going to just add to that and say... I do think that's really helpful if you can find a group of moms, find some other women that, you know, can relate to you. That's really helpful. I we're, We are very lucky that, like, wherever we live, we kind of have that built-in support system because of our church. Like, we always have a network of people that we are weekly exposed to, that we make friends with, that, and then, like, we're assigned people who what we we call it like ministering where they come and they check on us and they say like hey how are you doing we have like built-in meals that get dropped off I mean when Millie like that just still I still think about it and it blows me away that like when we had Millie and we had just moved into this house in this neighborhood and we didn't really know anyone I had a couple of friends that I knew in this neighborhood before we moved in that one from high school and one from college. But other than that, like we really didn't know anybody. And we had like for two weeks, people just like showed up every day on a schedule that somebody had set up for us with meals. And that's not because I'm like, you know, some blogger. That's not, that's like not special treatment. That's what everybody gets. And in our church community here. And that's something that, you know, is pretty, Um, culturally that's part of our church, you know, that's something that like, we're very, very blessed to have. Um, but if you don't have that, well, first of all, if you're looking for that, like we're members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's something that I love about our church is that we take care of each other. Like we're family, no matter how old or new you are in an area, if you're brand new and you have a baby, or if you've lived there forever, people just take care of each other. And it's pretty cool. But if you're not, there's all kinds of ways you can find community. You can get on Facebook and you can look for mom groups. You can look for, there's, I know there are communities within Baby Center and with that, which is a website um, for moms. Yeah, I found a lot of really cool Facebook mom groups that people answer each other's questions. They get together, they have live events, they have meetups. So, if you find yourself living somewhere that's away from your family and your friends that you grew up with, which is definitely was the case with me for baby number two and baby number three, there are other women out there who are in the same situation you're in who feel lonely too. And all you have to do is just take a little initiative 
to put yourself out there and find some friends, you know, and that's, that's helpful. That's really, really helpful. And, you know, sitting around and being like, oh, nobody, nobody's checking on me or coming to me, like as hard as it is, I think sometimes if you can put yourself out there and be like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take the effort to join a group or to go try to find some friends or to call up some friends, you know, everybody's busy. Everybody has stuff going on. And I think if you take the initiative to just say like, I'm going to text three friends or whatever and say like, Hey, can we meet up and do this? Or can we go break away from the kids for an hour and have a little frozen yogurt date on a, you know, girls night on a Tuesday night or something like that. Like that's, another extremely helpful thing to break up that monotony of like, I'm in the house. I'm just with the baby myself all day, every day. Yeah, that would totally make sense. I mean, I think it, one of the hardest things I would imagine, I think for anybody in any, you know, situation like that is to ask for help. It's so counterintuitive. It's the last thing. I mean, you know, you, you pride yourself on being self-sufficient or like, Hey, I'm good. Or maybe Especially with your first baby, you're like, this should not be this hard. Yeah. Yeah. And there's go, and maybe you've been like, like the, you're like the caretaker. You're the one who's usually going out and serving and helping yeah. people. And then like, as that person, it's probably even harder to, to be on the flip side of that and be like, Hey man, I, like I'm, I'm hurting here. I need, I need help, man. Sorry. I'm, I'm used to talking to like other guys in recovery and stuff, but, but it's the same. I mean, similar for me, I'm just thinking of it in terms of, again, my 12 steps and recovery and all this stuff is so much of that is break out from the, you gotta, you gotta get out and and it's so unbelievably hard to ask for help. It is like, it's the last thing you want to do. They talk about like the thousand pound phone that you don't want to pick up and call somebody or reach out. But it's contrary actions. It's doing the opposite of what you feel like doing. And then that's where the solution comes in. Right. And it's for sure. That's a parallel thing with, um, postpartum depression is the contrary actions that you're talking about. What you feel like doing is being by yourself is sitting in your pajamas all day is laying in bed is, you know, staying away from things that are going to make you be around other people. But that's what you need. And, you know, I say that gently because at the same time, like, you have to give yourself grace. And if it takes you a while to get to feel like getting out of the house, that's okay, too. But there's definitely you'll feel it. I felt it when I was like, this isn't me not feeling physically well enough to get out of bed yet because I'm still recovering. This is just me feeling sad. And I just feel bummed about like not bummed, but I just you know what I mean? Like that, like. I feel depressed. I don't, I don't even want to get out of the house today. I just kind of want to sit here because I just feel sad and I have no motivation. And, you know, it's that like kind of dark cloud of like, yeah, I don't even want to get up and out. There's a difference between that and like, whoa, I feel like my body just got hit by a truck. Like I need to sleep some more because I'm... I'm just trying to be able to have from a C-section. Right. Have somebody. enough energy to walk up and down the stairs. There's a huge difference. So, yeah, you have to give yourself grace and time, but like but you'll know. At least I felt like I knew where there was a difference between like, okay, I know that I'm well enough that I should be getting up and out the door, but I don't feel like it. Um and that's when like you said like, you know, if you can push yourself to do some contrary actions. That's when I was like, okay, even though I don't want to, what my friends and family have told me is to force myself to get up, get dressed, get out the door, you know, get the baby dressed and get out the door at least once a day. Just get out of the house and do something. And that that's what helped me. That's what started. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm this whole blog, you know. I always talk about this and is the the, the opposite George. There's a certain episode from a certain sitcom i'm like probably (laughs) corinne's giving me a look (laughs) but basically there's this guy in this sitcom where he decides that every decision he's made in his life has been wrong (laughs) 
And so he decides to suddenly do the opposite of everything that he wants to do. And then, like, all these great things start happening. He, like, lands his job, finds oh his, my like, gosh. bunch of money. Like, his relationships work out. It's just funny so that I just think of it. Is this Seinfeld? It is, yeah. Oh, I don't my know. gosh. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to mention Seinfeld. It's just... Anyway. I've never even watched Seinfeld. My parents were, like, the mean parents that wouldn't <laughs> let us watch Seinfeld. But, yeah, basically. Contrary I, options. Yep, better contrary way, actions. Better way to say it. Yes. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, anything else? What what else? Any other advice no, that you give somebody? I I just think going back to what I said a minute ago, if I could go back and talk to my first time mom self, I would just say like, you know what? It's gonna get better. It gets better. So and don't be afraid to ask for help. Like you said, you know, ask your doctor for help. Ask your friends for help. Ask ask your mom or other women who have been through this what they think. I don't have all the answers. All I can speak from is my own experience. But, you know, get out and ask some other women who you love and admire and respect what their experience has been. Because my guess is you won't have to ask very many people to find someone who's been through this. Because so many women have. And you most likely will feel, you won't find judgment. All you'll find is um, women out there who have a lot of love and compassion and who would be more than happy to sit you down and just listen to you, talk to you, give you a hug, go with you to get a manicure, bring dinner over and help you out. So those are my words of advice. I don't know. It gets better. It's worth it. Thanks for hanging out and reminiscing with me today, uh, interviewing awesome. me. Yeah, it's it's cool to think back that, you know, through, the, through those times, there's hard things, but, you know, we learn and grow together. And, and you know, I think that there gave me an opportunity to, to serve. And there's just different times where I think there's a trade-off. Sometimes you're the one who's being served and being helped. And other times you're the one who's, who's serving others. And... It's important to be able to be on both sides of the coin. Yeah. And, and it requires a lot of humility to be able to accept service when you need it. And so, yeah, it's just really cool. Thanks for sharing your experience. All right. Thanks, babe. Awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs>